The Poorly Made Police podcast is for entertainment purposes only. This podcast has explicit content and is meant for mature audience. The views expressed on this poorly made podcast reflect the opinions of the guest and host. They do not reflect the opinion of any department or entity. Nothing on this poorly made podcast should be construed as legal or marital advice. If something offends you, I kindly invite you to lighten the fuck up. If you want to support this very poorly made podcast, click the link at the end of the description and become a monthly sponsor of the podcast. Or buy yourself some nice poorly made police memes merch. Not only does it look good on you, it's also a favorite of wives, exes, children, nurses, nuns, IA investigators, defense attorneys, and the chief. And of course, take care of the fine sponsors of this podcast. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the orgasmic sound of a crown vic. Welcome to the 60th, can you believe that, the 60th version of this very poorly made police podcast. How are you guys doing tonight, this evening, today, where, sexy time, whatever the fuck you're listening to this shit. I hope you're well and you're safe and uh, you're not in World War III right now. Enough about the impending doom of our planet. Let's talk about the podcast. This episode, I have the man, the myth, legend, Kenny Williams, a.k.a. the Red Ninja, who's an instructor over at Street Cop Training. He is a legend out of Indiana for all his dope seizures out there on the highway. So we touch on the uh, interdiction stuff that he does, but really just kind of a general conversation about policing Indiana. And uh, the big topic on this podcast that we hit a bunch was uh, communication. So I uh, I think it's a really good show, man. Usually going through and editing it, that can be kind of a tedious process, but I really liked re-listening to this shit because there was a lot of good advice there. So now, of course... All of your Sunday podcasts are brought to you by Officer Privacy. Something I wanted to talk to you about this podcast was, I'm going to assume, if you haven't listened to uh, me talk about Officer Privacy, I'm going to assume you haven't signed up. I want you to go to one of these people search sites, people finder, whatever the hell they are, type in your name. So your information will come up, where you live, that kind of stuff. You know what else pops up? Your family's information. So, you know, one of those things we talk about is you're involved in something and now your information's out there. Well, guess who else's information's out there? So when the news media can't find you because you're not home, where do you think they're going to go? Probably to your parents' house. Maybe to your brother's house. Maybe your sister's house. There there was an article, I think it was out of Missouri, where I, I was reading about it with some recruit did something like in high school and their their news reports are over at their mom's house stuff like that happens it's not you know fake news that's stuff that actually happens in the world now so so what do you do about this i'll tell you what you do you go sign up for officer privacy they take your information off those people search sites and when your information's off there when they search in your name they're not going to find your family members so something to think about go sign up for officer privacy take your privacy back officerprivacy.com now, this podcast is a little shorter, but I got a couple things to ramble about really quick. First off, when I was editing the podcast, I, I realized there is maybe something in there without 
any context and maybe you didn't know anything about it. So I just want to give a brief explanation. Earlier this summer, I worked for Street Cop Training. If you haven't heard of them, they're a great training company out of New Jersey. I worked for them for about six weeks doing social media stuff. And we basically had a, a mutual breakup. The uh, long distance relationship with me being in the cornfield and them being out in Jazzy, uh, it didn't really work out so well. But it was it was a good experience. I liked working for Den. Den's a good dude. I do occasionally give him some grief about that. And just to be clear, I'm big fans of Street Cop, even after working for him and no longer working for him. Uh, Den's a good dude. We talk all the time. So I, I posted a meme with uh, Uncle Den. He made a mistake of posting a meme with like a rat face, which I couldn't pass up. It's in good humor, right? It's it's like making fun of your buddies. So if you guys see me post shit about Street Cop, it's nothing personal. We're just trying to have a, a quick laugh. So I know some people got a little bent out of shape with that, which even Den got on the Facebook post and was like, no, nah, it's funny. He, told, he asked me before he posted it. So there, there's a little story about Street Cop. And if you're a longtime listener, you may remember in the early episodes, I was talking about having this really cool side job and I was going to tell you more about it later. Well, it's later. Didn't really work out. <laughs> The uh, next thing I wanted to rant about really quick is the poorly made weight loss challenge. If you're a longtime listener, uh, you know I'm a fat piece of shit and I'm trying to work on that. And if you're a new listener, you may maybe you heard it in bits and pieces or you haven't heard me talk about it. So I for I don't even know when I started doing it, but probably back in the fall, I was going to weigh in every podcast and just for accountability. And it, you know, we hit the holidays and then, you know, sometimes I record these way before and way after. And I think it's kind of shitty to you know, weigh myself every other day. I think that's just not a good thing. But so I'm, I'm going to try and be better about it at least once a week. Now, full transparency, uh, the diet hasn't gone well. I basically been kind of gaining and losing the same like five, 10 pounds. So I finally did something the other day that I fucking hate doing. And I got one of those damn calorie counting apps. And now I'm doing that shit, which I'll be honest, it, it made a huge difference. I You guys have noticed I stopped drinking on the podcast, and I'm also cutting out cookies, and those who know me, uh, I am the cookie monster. Yeah, so I started counting calories, and just this week I've lost like five pounds, So, which sucks because it's weight that I've gained back. So I'm still, I'm still down total uh, 13.6 pounds since when I started, which is good. I mean, at least I haven't gained it back, but I, I should be way, way down from now. So hopefully the... Uh, Hopefully counting the calories will do me some good and I won't be such a big tub of shit. And with all these new bands, we finally made it back around to my dude, Brownlow, a.k.a. Greenwood, a.k.a. Greenwood, a.k.a. Brownlow. I will put links to all his shit in the podcast description, but I highly recommend. I actually listened to his record, Meadowlark, on Apple Music probably, I don't know, at least once a week, it seems. Uh, good shit. I really enjoy his music, so I think you guys will too. Here is his song, Broken. And uh, we'll be right back with the man, the myth, the legend, Kenny Williams. I'm running from what's coming. I'm afraid of what it is. All the times I've opened up, I've just been giving shit because it's hot and you're broken. You've heard so many times. What goes around comes around. I fall guilty of their crimes. I'm no better than they are. They're just as lost as me. My conscience gets a grip. It takes a hold. All right, now the moment you've been waiting for, the man, the myth, the legend, the crown vicator, Kenny, Red Ninja. How are you, buddy? Good. How are you, sir? 
I'm uh, I'm just living that dream, man. Uh, hanging out in a basement, making a podcast. You're in oh. Kansas City tonight, right? Uh, in that area, yeah. In that area, how is uh, how's Casey this evening? Well, I left uh, my fabulous home in Indiana, and I came south, and I got more snow and colder weather than I was at home. You know, to be so, honest with you, I don't know anything about Indiana, and I'm going to ask about Indiana. But before we started recording, I heard on your, your TV there that you were listening to the start of World War III. That's pretty interesting. Uh, I was just, yeah, kind of keeping up on what the hell's going on over there. I don't even, dude, I don't even know what to think. There's so much. Uh, I know. Like, I'm not even going to state an opinion because I don't know enough about it to say anything. But um, there's a lot of foreign policy experts on Instagram and Facebook I've seen, though. <laughs> I agree. I, I, I kind of just like to see uh, different perspectives. And I feel that the truth is probably in the middle somewhere. Yes, that was a, the big topic of my last podcast. But yeah, we were actually kind of talking that I might go down there and record the podcast in person. But I did one about a month ago with a guy in a hotel room. And I think my wife would start getting suspicious. So it <laughs> would be really, a little weird. Yeah. Definitely. Probably stay away from that. So I was going to ask, though, before we get into the other stuff, so obviously you work for street cop training, which I'm I'm sure we'll talk about. Do you have a favorite destination to go uh, to these training classes? And there's been so many good ones. I like, I mean, in the the grand scheme of things, I like to go um, to warmer locations, especially when it's cold at home. So that's always a a perk. I mean, Texas has been really good to me. It's a really nice venue. Um, California was good to me. I love going everywhere. I mean, I, I would go to, you know, I would go to Canada if it was like July, but, you know, I'd like, I'd like to stay warm. Yeah, I was actually telling my wife that because, you know, now we live in a cornfield in Iowa and I'm like, you know, I kind of wish we picked somewhere a little warmer to live because this kind of sucks half the year. Yeah, I, you get used to it. I mean, I, I say that. I don't know if I would really want to be in 80 degrees all year round yeah i i would go like 65 70 all year round i'd be totally good with that i am 100 with you on that yeah i don't think there's many places like that though well i guess we'll start out with so you're a cop in indiana correct correct how long have you been in law enforcement for uh 15 years okay so a hot minute i mean if you look at this handsome man's photo you think he's in his early 20s i can't believe he's been on for 15 years i don't know about that but i appreciate your comments yeah. Is it like a, do you use like a certain moisturizer to look so good or what do you do to keep up your looks? I need, I, uh, I, I follow, I asked uh, Dan from free cop, if you know him, uh, how he looks so young. And I started using the same lotion he does. Yeah. All you fucking guys look so young and you guys all have like monstrous biceps. I had questions uh, about that. We're going to have to talk about that. Yeah. But those guys from New Jersey have monstrous biceps. I'm I cannot compete with them. I just try to, uh, maintain so i don't look tiny when i'm standing next to them yeah those dudes are enormous i i I do have to ask and and i was going to ask this later on but i'm thinking of it now so when you guys you know do your pictures your promo pictures for street cop why do you guys all you always have to cross your arms i don't know why i I picked that up it drives me nuts i don't know so to be honest with you for me personally i I'm like the guy I don't know what to do with my fucking hands. So I cross my arms because if not, then I'm going to sit like with my hands behind my back, which looks weird or like in front of my balls. And that just looks weird to me. So I just cross my arms because I really don't know what to do with them. You know, I guess that's a good point because I never know what to do with my hands and photos. And it usually seems if I'm taking a photo, it's like 
with my kids or so I'm holding a kid or like I'm behind everybody because I'm tall. And so I'm like the guy, it doesn't matter where my hands are, but I, I guess that could be a stressful situation, not knowing what to do with your hands. So I get it. You see, when I take pictures with other people, if it's one other person, I'll usually have like my arm around them or, or something along those lines. But if it's me by myself or a group of people, I really just, I, I just cross my arms because I feel comfortable there. Who would have thought uh, we'd be talking about how to take a proper photo <laughs> on this podcast, but here we are. Yeah. So the jobs changed a little bit in 15 years, would you say? Yeah, I, I yeah, I would say so. But you got to look at where I come from too. I, I'm, I'm in Indiana and um, it's a very conservative pro-police uh, state. So um, a lot of the stuff that other people deal with, we deal with on a smaller level, I would say. But we have very pro-politicians and, and those types of things. So that always makes it a little bit easier. I'm not entirely convinced that Indiana exists. I know, you know, they got a, a famous basketball program. God, I can't even think of it. Who's the dude that used to throw the chairs all the time? Bobby Knight. Bobby Knight. Oh, classic Bobby Knight. Oh, I haven't heard that name in a long time. But so you guys got that guy. But I, I feel like there's nobody that's actually from Indiana. Just people move there or move from there. Larry Bird's from Indiana. Who's born there? Really? Yeah, so I, I don't know. I'm a sports fan, so he's probably the uh, most famous person I know of that was born in Indiana. Yeah, I wouldn't even have thought that. I mean, I just automatically think Celtics and just assume the Northeast. But, I mean, I suppose you get drafted, so that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Well, there you go. Now, the most important thing we've learned so far is about <laughs> Larry Bird is from Indiana. But um, my understanding is Indiana is a lot like Iowa, uh, flat and a lot of corn. Is that pretty fair? Yeah, uh, I would say two-thirds of the state. Once you get further south, um, I don't know, south of like Bloomington where IU University is, it starts to become a, a little more, um, I guess, hilly. But it's not quite mounds, but it's it's a massive hills. I, uh, I drove through, I wish I could remember what interstate it was, but I drove through about this time last year. And I was kind of surprised because it was at night, so we didn't stop. But there was all these signs for like caves and stuff. And I'm like, in Indiana, there's fucking caves? That's weird. You had to be south. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm, way up no I'm way up north and it's nothing but flat. Yeah. I drove through to, I don't know, New York or something a couple of years ago. And it was just a few of those states. Are, it's just basically the same thing for like Ohio, Indiana. It's just flat the whole way. Yeah. It doesn't change much. You got, you know, you got some woods and then you'll have some cornfields and then back to woods. It's about the most exciting thing you have for miles. I mean, that must make police work kind of interesting if you got see when i i worked in a city so if somebody ran from you they'd hop a fence or run into an apartment building or something like that maybe into a shed but you got a cornfields are kind of a maze to find somebody aren't they yeah people usually don't run in them though like it's um it's unique they uh i don't know if they're like afraid of like what is it like the children of the corner the people of the corner whatever what that movie was but they if they come to a cornfield they kind of stay on the outskirts of it that's odd Maybe yeah. that's a, maybe that's some CPED stuff right there. The crime prevention through environmental design, not really <laughs> for food. It's to prevent criminals. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. So I used to play, I used to live in a small town. We used to play like kind of hide and go seek type game. And uh, we'd go run into the cornfields and stuff, but we were always terrified. Like the farmer would come through with a combine and it would be a bad day. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, I grew up in a smaller town with, well, I guess it's getting populated now, but it was it was definitely a smaller town when I grew up and there was a bunch of fields and stuff. And uh, 
the farmers used to shoot us with like a uh, salt pellet guns. If you were, <laughs> run, it was the most painful experience ever. But uh, yeah, it didn't really stop us. <laughs> I can't believe I've never heard of that. They, they would shoot um, with salt pellet guns. That's awesome. Yeah, I, yeah, it was uh, it was painful, but it didn't really like hurt. I mean, it hurt, but it didn't permanently damage you. I guess so. And it was their way of deterring us. I'm guessing. I say maybe these big city police departments and you get rid of the beanbag rounds, they start going to salt pellets. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I've never got shot by a beanbag round, but the salt pellets definitely hurt. Interesting. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and copyright that right now so I can start making the big bucks. <laughs> Figure um, out a way to put a, a salt round into a less lethal shotgun and see how that works. It would be interesting to say the least. So what was your reasoning for getting into law enforcement? What you drew you to this kind of career? Uh, so to be honest with you, um, I, I went to college. Uh, my first semester, I was actually going to be an education major. That was kind of like the route I was going to take. And uh, September 11th happened. And um, it really changed my perspective on what I wanted to do. So I stuck with the education major and I started taking electives in criminal justice. Um, so for like my first, you know, I don't know, year and a half, two years. I was still with um, uh, education, but, you know, kind of dibble dabbling in criminal justice. And then I went and did my first observation as a teacher and, and was sitting in a classroom and it was the most miserable experience of my life. <laughs> so at that point, I completely changed my major and uh, I went into criminal justice completely. That's awesome. I'm sure that uh, initial part of college doing the teaching thing probably helped you out quite a bit now with what you're doing it's ironic you know how things work out i would have never thought that that was how things would pan out but um they have kind of what is unique though about when i took my college uh teaching class again like not to know not know not knowing what to do with my hands i would uh give like speeches and i would have my one of my hands in my pockets and i always get marked off for it and then uh, I was like, I don't fucking know what to do with my hands. And I feel like I'm just like flaring there. Like, I don't know what to do. I feel like you uh, were a big Alanis Morissette fan. Why is that? Didn't she have that song? I got one hand in my pocket and the other one. Oh, she did. Yeah. 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 I completely forgot that. Anyway. So then I, when I started teaching, I started to watch these like public speakers that make tons and tons of money, uh, like Tony Robbins. And then motherfucker walks around with his hand in his pocket the whole time. And I'm like, my professors marking me off but yet this dude is a public speaker making millions with his hand in his pocket the entire time so then i was like the little stresses of college when it came to public speaking didn't even need to be there it frustrated me later in life when i started to do this but it's just unique i think it's safe to assume that and i don't want to go off on a wild tangent but i feel like sometimes a lot of people in the and I'm not a very educated person, but I'm, I feel like a lot of the people in higher education have always been in higher education. And they haven't really been out in the real world. And so like everything kind of comes from books. Uh, yeah, that makes sense. And you can't like think outside the box, although I think that's what college is supposed to be. But I'm I'm a you know, I'm a guy making a podcast in my basement, so I don't want to go too far out there saying uh, how people should be educated. But that's just my two cents. Yeah, no, I mean, that, yeah they have certain guidelines or something they have to follow and they don't deviate from that for whatever reason. I always hated that. And I, my, not to, <laughs> my little girl's like <laughs> always gets pissed off about that. Cause she's like, so she gave me this great example, which I thought was crazy. She's like her art class. Like they, 
if the artwork doesn't look exactly like how they put it up there, then you get like marked off. And I'm like, well, it's fucking art. It's not all supposed to look the same. Isn't that the whole point of art? Yes, be artistic it's with it. Yeah, have your it's own like flair. all subjective. Yes. And I'm like, that's crazy. Like, you know, most times when your kids come home and they're like, oh, the teacher sucks. Well, yeah, that's kind of what it is, what it is. And then she tells me shit like that. And I'm like, yeah, your teacher does kind of suck. Yeah, that would that'd be frustrating because uh, especially you have so many guidelines as, as a, I don't know how old she is, but as a, as a student and you have so many structured things, but like music and, and art class and gym class, you should be able to like freelance a little bit and then not be marked off for that. Yeah, exactly. God, man, if they go to school in like a, a pretty small school and I've talked shit about their teachers a couple of times on this podcast. I really hope they don't listen. I mean, out of the millions of people that listen to podcasts, I'm, I'm sure they don't, but that could be awkward for me later down the road, it, but it would I'm be hilarious if they did. And you had like a, was it parent teacher conference? And she like references it in a nonchalant way about it. <laughs> like oh, she brings it up and throws it in there and you're just like staring at her like, mm-hmm. well, I guess, <laughs> I guess she would have forced my hand. I guess I'd just have to say, well, Hey, you know, it's art. Let her fucking do art. Leave her alone. <laughs> right. She's 10, but I digress. Um, so this is something I haven't asked people before, but I was kind of thinking this could be an interesting question is what did you do before policing? Like, I, I think it's kind of interesting hearing about like, you know, the jobs of celebrities. So I'm kind of throwing it out there, like the jobs of cops before they were cops. What kind of stuff did you do? I actually uh, was a bartender during college. I don't know where to follow that up. with. <laughs> yeah. That's a, it's unique, isn't it? Like, uh, but I also feel like that helped me. Um, so my, this is, I'm going to go on a little tangent here, but my my philosophy is that communication is the foundation of law enforcement. As, us as cops, uh, we can talk ourselves in and out of a lot of shit. And me as a, and also like to remember people's faces and, um, you know, just like certain things. And as a bartender, I remember people's faces, remembered what they like to drink, those types of things. And, and, and I had to communicate it because if I didn't, if I didn't have the ability to communicate, with these people, I wasn't making money because bartenders make like two bucks an hour or whatever. You live off your tips. So I had to remember people's faces, remember what they drank, and also remember like what I had in common with them. Oh, this guy likes the Cubs. This guy likes the White Sox, like shit like that. Like, so we can have conversation and I had to communicate with these people in order to make money. And that's kind of how I feel that that transitioned well for me uh, when it comes to law enforcement and my ability to talk to anyone about anything, kind of. Well, yeah, I'll tell you what, that was kind of going to be the main focus of the podcast. Since we're here, let's just fucking hit it out and we can deal with this all this shit later uh, or these other questions later. But yeah, I'm completely with you. And I, I feel like a lot of the times when I see, you know, when you actually see like beyond the 30 second snippet or what happens and you watch like the whole video, what happens and granted, you know, I don't want to be a Monday morning quarterback, but there's a lot of these times you watch videos and it's very clear to me that the officers involved that look poorly in them really can't communicate very well so like i agree there and but but again you have to look at how and and i don't i don't want to there's great academies and there's bad ones but a lot of academies what they do is they break you down and they make you like you know damn well when you go through like they 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 think you they have to put in the mindset that anyone can kill you at any point but we never digress from that we leave the academy thinking that every time we stop a car every time we go to domestic it's going to be a fight we're going to get shot at like and the and then grand scheme of things, that's not how it is. But we just went through six months of that. So now when we come out, we're like on fucking an, an edge the whole time because we think that that's how it is. And it's like, but 
you know what I'm saying? They build us up to think that that's really what's taking take place our entire career, but they don't bring us back down. And, and I understand that they have to do some of that stuff, but I feel that if you're going to uh, take them all the way up to think that, then you have to kind of go back down towards the end of the academy and start to explain, like we brought you all the way up here to, to make you aware of all these different situations that have happened where cops have been hurt or killed and all that stuff. But then kind of breaking it back down to the actual stats of like how many cops are actually shot during a traffic stop and how many traffic stops are made. You know, some people have a different perspective and I don't feel that that is done. And I feel that that now we come out of the academy and our, we have lost our ability to communicate like normal human beings and we're very uh, assertive and authoritative. And I think that that works counterproductive to what we actually need to accomplish. I completely agree. And uh, I actually, I went, I talked about that a little while ago. And then I don't know if you saw the video out of Phoenix where the guys like basically baiting the cop to come in and say, Hey, mm-hmm. she, you know, she, and that's a horrible video to watch. And then I, in the next podcast, I'm like, fuck it. You know, we got to be, and then, but then I came back down to earth on that a little bit. I completely agree. I came from like a customer service type background in my jobs. And I feel like I'm really good at talking to people. And I, same thing you were saying, I could talk to anybody about anything. And, you know, some of my jobs, I had to build relationships with uh, outside people. So I felt like on the street, when I was doing my investigations, it would drive me nuts when guys weren't letting people talk. There's a time and a place to make somebody shut up. But at the end of the day, you're paid by the hour. If you just let people talk and let them feel like they're being heard, or even in a tense situation, if you're not escalating it, you can solve so many more issues. I prided myself on, I didn't use my taser all the time. I didn't pepper spray people all the time. I didn't baton people all the time. Yeah, I would get into some uses of force. Everybody does, but I prided myself on not getting into fights, which unfortunately, and I'm not trying to throw a blanket over there, but it's some people do. Yeah, knock on wood, I'm kind of the same way and I don't want to. Like ultimately my goal is to go home and I don't want to be punched in the fucking face. Like I really don't. Like that's not like, and I feel that, you know, your ability to communicate will prevent a lot of that. And and for the Phoenix thing, like I watched that video at least that first like 10 seconds. And I just feel like that cop knew something was up, but he also, that guy played on our natural ability to want to help people. But if you look like cops, the cop was even, uh, you know, like, like hesitant and he was like fuck he's like talk he's like torn you know he was like because he's asking more questions like if i was going to that situation i i, I don't know if i would have asked but he, he was almost like apprehensive at first for whatever reason and, and you know because I, I don't know i watched that first little clip that you know before right before that guy shot and he was asking just questions like hey what's going on and he's oh he's dying and he's like like just he seemed apprehensive at first and i was like man that that, that cop knew something was fucking that right but then again, that guy was preying on our natural ability to want to help. So he, I don't know, that's, that's a horrible situation. Like, I, I don't know how you prevent something like that. That's a uh, damned if you do, damned if you don't. Like he fucking set him up. Yeah, completely. he did. I'd be really curious what the call notes said on that. Wasn't it like a email, like dying or dead or choking or something along those lines? Like something like, I don't I, that's and if it was something got. like that, if it was something like that, I 110% would have done the same shit that he did, man. I would have gone in because you want to go help. Yeah, I think um, that, I'm not positive, but I think that that's what it was. I almost think it was like a medic call. 
and it was like the female was unconscious or something along those lines and and but the, i don't know yeah like i think that we i don't know i don't know like it sucks that sucks for those guys it does but it you got to realize too that that you have to be prepared for that but you got to realize that that kind of shit to that extreme doesn't happen every single day but i mean bad yeah. i mean the other thing that's come up a couple times on the podcast recently is on traffic stops is you know we i always make a point like hey go back up your buddy make sure you have somebody go by and, and that's come up a couple different ways but the people on the traffic stop that officers that on the traffic stop that got killed they didn't know the person was going to shoot him right right and i also believe that if more people wanted to hurt the police they could very easily yes very easily you know we can we can do everything we want or everything we can rather to be safe when going up to a house and making sure we're tactically positioned but you can't you're not going to be able to cover every single angle especially if you're going up by yourself or with two officers you can do things to you know offset off the door and all these other things but god man if somebody came around the back of the house when you were knocking they probably would have you you know yeah i mean action's always faster than reaction and and the bad guys always have that on us, no matter what. Yeah. But I think kind of going back to the, the communication stuff, I just, you're absolutely right. I wish out of the Academy, they were giving guys more to communicate better. And I, I don't know what that is. Right. I don't know if that's, you know, sending, you know, the guys in their a class out, you know, the worst neighborhood and having them go talk to people or, or whatever that is. But you're absolutely right. Cause I felt like when I got out of my Academy, um, they never built you back up, right? Like you're still a piece of shit. Everyone's going to kill you. And then I made the mistake of watching a end of watch, like one of my first days in FTO. And that, that was a terrible idea. That was really paranoid after that. Yeah. That's a rough movie. That's a rough movie to watch. Yeah. It was well done though, man. It was really well done. Yeah. I, I can't, I mean, yeah, just the ending is not the best. Yeah. I mean, I think it kind of uh, had like the good, cop feel you know what i mean like the banter between the two cops i thought was really good and the yeah camaraderie there speaking of cop movies have you seen the movie crown vic no okay <laughs> i'm surprised this hasn't come up on the podcast yet but so there's a movie i think it came out a year or two ago and um tom jane this, is in it this is a real movie it's a real movie <laughs> hear me out right now yeah uh, it's a fun movie. It's not realistic at all as far as like some of the shit that happened. It's like one of those movies. I don't want to give away too much of the movie. So you maybe fast forward 30 seconds if you haven't watched it. But it's one of those movies where, you know, they get into a shooting and then they go to the next call like they wouldn't have been like, you know, pulled off the road or anything like that. You know, one of those things. Um, it's a fun movie, though. I, I would suggest watching it. And then it has a, a Crown Vic in it. So here, let's talk about that. All right, the reason that I Crown Vicks are a very sturdy car, but they're slow as shit, and that's my reason for not liking. Them. You are fake news. <laughs> they are. They are probably these. Uh, I can't say that, but Fords overall have been historically slow when it comes to police cars. The zero to sixty. All right, I'm deeply offended right now, but <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna hold in right right now. So. All right, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back to the podcast. I want to talk to you about my buddy Brad Williams over at Police Fit. You guys see him on the page every single Monday on Poorly Made Police Memes. Brad's going to help the new applicants and active officers smash their fitness and regain their health. 
Brad has 11 years experience in the fitness industry, 17 years in the military, and is also a first responder. He's going to share his experience and expertise to help applicants get their dream job and help active first responders regain their health. That's Police Fit, and I'll have a link for you on the podcast description. Back to the podcast. So you've been on for 15 years. What Can you go through each kind of car you've had through the your career? Yep. Dodge Intrepid, my first car. A Dodge Intrepid? Yeah, they were the worst things ever. I got one with like 90,000 miles and they would die at 100. So I went through like three of those my first, I don't know, year. Uh, My very next car was a Crown Vic. I had a Charger. I had an Explorer. And then I've had Durango since. What has been your favorite? (laughs) The Charger pre- being a canine handler and then the Durango. Okay. I, how are the Durangos? Cause I've had some guys say they really suck as police cars. And then some guys say they're really great. If you have the all wheel drive heavy, um, I, I like them. I, when, when I'm asked if I want something different, I use, I don't really want anything different. The size on the inside, um, it's very compatible to the Tahoe but they're not as boxy and they have nice pickup speed for an SUV. Um, and that's all I really, the speed is something that I like the zero to 60. I don't like going really fast, but if I want to get up and go, I want to be able to do it. And those other ones that I had besides the, the Dodges didn't do that. You know, I don't know. I, I was on Den. I don't know if you listen to the podcast I was on with Den and he was trashing the Vic too. And he's like, Oh yeah, I want your past second gear. It's fine, but you can't let it drop. And I don't know, man. I, for the area I worked, I never had an issue with them. I would, I'll admit that the Caprice is faster. You, you talked about that. I, I have not, uh, I don't think I've ever even drove one of those Caprices. They're not bad. I, I hated them because I, you know, when I was new, the Crown Vic was what we had. And then we got the Caprices and I hated them because I missed the Crown Vic. And then, then we started getting like the Soccer Mom Explorers. I and, hated those. Oh, they're so bad. And then I really like the Caprice. And then we got the Tahoes, which they're fucking cool as far as they're like a, as far, like, usually I felt like when we got police cars, it was like the shittiest fucking baseline model we could get. The Chargers or the, I'm sorry, the Tahoe's cool because it, you know, the has a bitch in stereo and it's really comfortable and the heat works really good and it's nice and big, but it just, it didn't feel like a cop car. And um, I got smoked in a pursuit with one of those, but like a little, I don't even fucking remember what it was like a Hyundai or something like that. Yeah. Um, I mean, if someone knows how to drive a little bit, for some reason, those little like Nissans and those type things, like they handle so much better than our cars. I feel. Yeah. If I don't know if anybody on my old apartment listens to the podcast, but I'm, I'm still to this day going to blame that red light because if I would have cleared it, I would have got killed. So I remember asking if there was a, you know, I had to stop for this fucking red light and the guy went through and he made it through. Okay. But I would have nailed somebody if I did. And, uh, I remember Aaron, like, does anybody have a caprice? Cause you know, these fucking, we couldn't keep up with this guy once he got like a little ways ahead of us. So, yep. Oh man. I'm not bitter about that at all. So how'd you get into interdiction stuff? Uh, when I went to the Academy, uh, I mean, you know, guys like find their niche and like these things. I just, I, my, I mean, after 9-11 and um, some of my family 
uh, had some substance abuse issues. Like ultimately I just wanted to find drugs. Like I wanted to take drug dealers to jail. Like 9-11 kind of got me into the criminal justice world. I wanted to do something um, that I felt could help. And then um, as time went on, substance abuse in my family, a couple family members. And then I was like, all right, well, now I have a different motive. And uh, I go through the whole academy. And towards the end, I had like a three-hour block with some guys from uh, a local interdiction team. And I was like hooked. Like, So I went, you know, you go through like, I don't know, I think it was like four months, five months we went through academy. And I, you know, I, I didn't do poorly. I did pretty well um, with everything. And then like, not gonna, but I mean, there was nothing that I was like, that got me hooked. Like I didn't like fail anything, but I was just like, yeah, I was, I was going through the motions. And then that three hour block, I was like, that's what I want to do. I'm going to find big drug dealer. And then uh, I go back to my police department and we don't have an interdiction. Team. So uh, for the first five years of my career, I was finding lots and lots of, you know, user level, small time dealer type dope. And uh, I got information basically that our uh, state police had a part time interdiction team. And I was just finally bugging the right people to uh, give me a chance. And I started as a out there at part time. Like, so with my department, I got like an overtime allowance to the state police. Is it like uh, a task force type thing or? Yeah, it's called domestic highway enforcement. It's a it's a nationally, um, it's actually under the DEA umbrella. Oh, that's cool, man. I've never heard of such a thing. On my department, it was basically like there were some guys that, you know, if we were we were fat that night, they'd ask to be non-radio cars and they'd get up on the highway and do their thing, that's which cool. was cool that's, that yeah. they would be allowed to do that. That doesn't, I, I doubt that happens anymore, but I don't think they even stop people for speeding anymore, but <laughs> The whole concept of, uh, like, I, I don't know. I, I just don't understand the concept. Like, we have legislators that make laws. We enforce said laws. And then they say, no, don't enforce those laws. But yet, they're the ones that put those laws in place. And every year, cops have to modify the way that they do police work because of case law and laws coming on the books and laws leaving the books. That's It's the only profession that annually changes yet somehow we get vilified for enforcing laws that legislators put on the books it's just interesting it's completely wild to me just how much (laughs) it's crazy like you know i went from this like bigger department where you know we kicked ass and took names so to speak and did a lot of cool shit and took a lot of bad guys to jail and now it's i don't even know how to describe it anymore it's a shell of what it once was I, uh, you know, not to go too off, too far off on a tangent, but you, you triggered something in my mind. We had, after all these laws started passing, we had this deal with our, uh, our city attorney and they were talking about trespassing and they're like, yeah, you know, we don't really want to be taking people to jail for trespassing, which I agree with. If they leave, it's not a big deal. Just write them a ticket and be done with it kind of thing. And, uh, I brought up the point, well, okay, just, are we still good to take them if they won't leave? No, just write them another ticket. Okay, well, what if I don't leave after that? Well, then just write them another ticket. And I'm like, that's insane. They're, yeah. That's insane. And she's like, well, we can't be the bouncers for the businesses. And I'm like, these businesses pay taxes in our city. So they have a police department where if somebody's trespassing on their property because of a law that is in our city charter and is a state law too, that we help out these businesses so they don't have people sleeping in front of the doors or sleeping in bathrooms and shit. I, I just... 
I it boggled my mind. Like, why are we even here? Tell yeah, that's kind of, yeah, that's kind of how. Like, so ours is basically if a business wants you to be trespassed, we go there and issue like not even ticket. It's basically a warning, and you saw you saw they have to sign it saying that okay, we're not welcome back. Here. But if they refuse to leave or or to ever return to that within, I think it's a year. I think the trespass warning lasts a year. But it, so like, if you refuse to leave, you're going to jail. And if you come back within that year, you're going to go to jail. So yeah, I, I'm glad that I worked in a state that still enforces that because these businesses. I mean, I, I don't understand how you could be a private business and be like, I'm just going to move shop somewhere else that has the same, you know amount of people that is going to help my business thrive instead of i don't know what it well i mean you're starting to see that like really closing down like the cvs's in seattle and san francisco or whatever because you know and that that was kind of my prediction my friends are like ah things will be okay and i'm like no you just watch the businesses and that was a big thing with the cities they attracted a lot of businesses over the last decade is they're gonna fucking leave why would you want to be there anymore you know It's, it's overrun with crime but I digress. I, I made a mistake, man. I should have, should have picked a better place to work, but it, I, I was talking to Den about it. It's, it changes via election, right? Like, you know, it was fine before. And then, you know, few seats change hands and few judges change and it's a completely different world. Yeah. It can, I mean, it, and it can, I mean, for us, it can change. Um, our mayor is every four and I think our council is every four, but it's like they, they're, uh, they're divided up. So like the, the mayor doesn't run the same time the council is. So it's like uh, the mayor runs say this year. And then in two years, the council, all the councilmen will run. And then you kind of rotate every like that. But um, the mayor still, yeah. Like if you get a bad mayor, it's going to be uh, devastating. And at minimum of four years. Yeah, it can be a long four years for sure. Yes. So based on our conversation so far, is it sounds like working as a cop in Indiana is, is a pretty good place to work for the most part, right? Yeah, I mean, then gives me a hard time about the pay, but it's not, I mean, it's not awful. I mean, um, for my department, your first year, you make, you don't make that great of money, but you have to understand that you'll be in the academy for a long period of time. They have to buy your equipment and all this other things. So I see both ends of it, um, but you get a nice paid jump right after you get off probation. Um, and then in the first three years, I think you're making like 66 or 68 grand a year, which isn't awful. Well, that's not bad for the Midwest. No, no, yeah. I mean, we're like uh, 35, 45 minutes out of, outside of Chicago, but the cost of living here is astronomically cheaper than there, and the taxes are crazily cheap compared to there, so we don't have to uh, you know, live up to those standards. Yeah, I think that's the, the big city guys and the coast guys don't understand is in the middle of the country, you don't need a million dollars to buy a house. You can get a damn good house for 200K sometimes in some places. Yep, absolutely. Part of the reason I am in the fine state of Iowa. Now, um, <laughs> let's see here. Where are we at? So you were doing the interdiction stuff. In the, how long have you been a canine guy for? Uh, 2014 or 15, I got my first dog. Now, is that is he trained into the – I know the dogs kind of have can have some different specialties. Is his mostly into the dope, or does he do other yeah, stuff too? Both of mine were into uh, – are strictly narcotic dogs. Okay. Now I, it's interesting in Colorado, they had some narcotic dogs, but once weed became legal, a lot of those dogs had to be retired because like you could do a sniff on a car 
And the judges are saying now, like, it doesn't matter how much weed's going to end up being in there. Like if they, they hit on weed done, uh, they're not going to take it. They're going to drop it. Yeah. Indiana, no, um, no recreational, no medical marijuana. Uh, my first dog had marijuana on it. And now, um, I don't see Indiana ever. I, I see Indiana being one of the last ones to have recreational marijuana, but my neck, my, my dog that I have currently does not alert to marijuana precautionary kind of. Oh, I gotcha. Now I'm, I'm just curious. Is there a different alert to each one of those? Nope. It's all consistent. It's all the same. I wish that that'd be awesome. If we could do something like that, like have them bark for this one and sit for this one or scratch, I, you know, that'd be cool. But no, it's all, it's all, all my dogs have been uh, passive alert, which means they'll either sit or lay down when they're in the odor of narcotics. Yeah. And I, I, I plead ignorance on a lot of the dog stuff. Cause I, I didn't really get into that too much when I was on the department and, you know, our dogs, uh, you know, they would come to a sniff if, if you needed one and, or most of it, my experience was learning how to clear a building with them without them biting the shit out of you if the dog trainer let, or the canine officer lets them loose. So. Yeah, we, um, and that's, that's kind of cool with our department. We, uh, we have I don't know, seven dogs, I think maybe six or seven dogs. Um, but we will train in those working environments with our dogs that do bite and, um, you know, searching buildings and clearing rooms and, and all that cool stuff. We'll even go to the extent and do like officer down drills so we can take each other's dogs off like the bite. If someone, if one of our officers was to get hurt and couldn't do it physically, um, most of our officers have went through and uh, been able to uh, train to get the dog to come off of that bite. Oh, that's fun. That's fucking cool, man. I, and this is just a personal observation. I can't speak for everywhere, but I, so my department was pretty fucking big, big. And I think we had seven dogs. I know you worked for a smaller department. So honestly, <laughs> doing the math here, our department is like 10 times bigger and we had the same amount of dogs. I, I can't speak for everywhere, but I thought we should have had way more fucking dogs. I feel like the more rural departments really take, uh, take advantage of having the dogs. I, Maybe you could speak to that more since you go around the country more than I do, obviously. Yeah, it does seem that way. Uh, I, I don't understand why. Um, that I think that I think having a dog is the greatest tool in law enforcement. It really is uh, for everything, from bomb to um, you know searching for missing kids or you know elderly people that have wandered off. Like I, I don't know why departments don't have more more dogs. Uh, our department has. Um, so we have four crews. Each dog has a crew or each crew has a dog. So theoretically at all times, we should have a dog out. And then we have for the highway guys, they have a dog. So that adds a couple more into the mix. Yeah. that's. I don't know. I, I guess if uh, you're listening to this and you have any expertise on why big cities don't have as many dogs, or maybe it was just an anomaly anomaly. It's a big word for this podcast. Um, then, uh, Maybe that was just that department. I, I just thought it was strange that, you know, we'd be like in the day shift, like 10 in the afternoon. We wouldn't have a fucking dog. We'd be looking for somebody and we're like, hey, isn't, is there a dog? And they're like, oh, we can call in the neighboring county. And I'm like, this is a supposed to be like a legit police department, you know? Yeah. I mean, and the only thing I can think is maybe like the cost, because um, you have to give, you know, uh, dog handlers theoretically have to train at least 16 i think there's like federal guidelines but i think it's like 16 hours a month they have to do training 
And, you know, that's on the PD's dime. And then they're allotted a certain amount of time uh, for care and maintenance, maintenance that's, you know, federal guidelines and, and those types of things. So it can turn into like some maybe cost, but a big department, if, you know, if you're that kind of size, like, and they have the same amount of dogs as we have when you're 10 times bigger, I think the cost effectiveness is going to, you know, work itself out instead of um, depending on other agencies. Yeah, you would think, but. What do I know? I'm just a name here. Yeah. Now, how'd you become involved with Street Cop? Um, so started uh, actually when I was working in addiction, and I started a. I didn't get a lot of training. I didn't get a lot, so I started to just kind of self-educate. And uh, some of the first pages that I started to find on social media, uh, Sean Pardesi and Triple I Solutions, and I took his class like I don't know, fucking seven times or something. And then I, uh, through that, I met TJ Collin and Trap Find. And then through that, I met Dennis and Street Cop. And um, I wanted to go to their training and they weren't coming out towards Indiana. So I had my department host TJ and Dennis like back to back day. Or I think it was a three day thing where I had Dennis come in and teach two days and then TJ come and teach uh, the third day or something like that. And mainly it was because of my selfishness and I wanted to go to their classes to, to get better. And then, uh, you know, I had them both come out and then Dennis offered me a position at that time. And that was in, I think 2017. And, uh, just me personally, I, I wanted to accomplish more things in my interdiction world. And I knew trying to juggle both in my personality, I kind of dive into things and, uh, I pushed it off for a couple of years. And then I finally started to teach, I think in 2019. Okay. So I, I assume since Dan offered you a job, you probably had a pretty good reputation by then for finding dope. I guess. Or you just like my red hair. I don't know. I mean, uh, you are a handsome man. Like I, I said before, <laughs> where did the, is that where the red ninja came name came from? So that's unique. And, uh, I actually, as a, I'm, I'm sure that's where the red came from. Cause everyone, when I was in high school, they would call me red and stuff because of my red hair. Uh, but then I started to mess with like nunchucks and just kind of mess around. A couple of my buddies used to do it. And then like my first email ever was, I don't want to say it on air, but it was incorporated with the Red Ninja. So uh, I didn't want to give Dennis my, my per, you know, my, uh, my department email. So I gave him my personal one. And then he asked me the same question. And he said, we're going to run with that when you start teaching. And I said, okay. And that's where it all started. Man. That's, that's a pretty good story. All right, let's take a quick second to hear from the fine people over at Refuge Medical. Refuge Medical, made in America, guaranteed forever. They've got individual first aid kits, multi-casualty first aid kits, vehicle first aid kits, basic first aid kits. They got all the components you need, and they have training. These guys have 33 confirmed life saved, including two dozen officers in the last two years. They use North American rescue components. They've been deployed on four continents with all the branches of the U.S. military. They exceed what your department is issuing, and it's designed to work with the Marchi algorithm. Find all this great stuff over at www.refugemedical.com. Use promo code PMPM for free shipping on all orders. Go check these guys out. Now back to the show. I was making fun of Dennis and I don't know if you were behind this or not. Uh, there was like a video. And for those that didn't listen to street cop uh, podcast where I was on it like a month ago or so I worked for street cop for, I don't know, 
about six weeks before Dennis shit canned me, but well, I'm not upset about that or anything. Um, but there, there was this video that came out of like, you know, the red ninja coming to the rescue and stuff. What was the story behind that? Which one was it? It was pretty rough, man. It was pretty cringe. I gotta be honest with you. I, I was doing the social media and I was like, Dennis, what the fuck is this, bro? He's like, why do you don't like it? And I'm like, oh, I don't know, man. If I, I find I it, I don't know if he took it down, but if I, I'd have to scroll quite a ways, but if I find it, I'll send it to you. It was pretty rough. Well, oh, was it like an actual real video or was it? No, like it was a like a comic? cartoon and like you were jumping around, saving the day and like being Spider-Man so, or something. It was weird. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, that, that was uh, my idea. I was trying to make something that was more marketable uh, to kids, to be honest with you. And I was like, let's throw some like, and I had, uh, I did, I had some lady on Upwork make it for me, but I was, I was kind of like going that Avenue. She just didn't see my same vision. And that's kind of what came up with it. And I was tired of going back and forth. And I was like, well, I'm just going to use this now. Well, see, now I feel like a dick for making fun of you. <laughs> now, now that I know I it's like you. geared towards like kids, I'm like, oh, okay, but, I can see that. Yeah. It was, you know, it was during all like everyone hates the police and, and we're teaching our kids to hate the police. And I'm like, let's make it so. You know, like when we were growing up, like the coolest movies were, you know, cops and robbers type shit. Not necessarily like that, that basic, but, you know, and, and cops were always win. So I was like, let's kind of go back to that type of stuff. And it was, it was actually, I think, when they started trying to cancel like a uh, Paw Patrol or whatever the fuck that was. And I was like, I don't like this. And I was going to combat it my own way. Do you think they still play? cops and robbers kids still play that or is that i would say the like in this society the robbers are probably like the good guys right well yeah because oh you wasted are, those cops good job yeah like our our all our movies have glorified criminals to the point i mean they're great movies but it seems like the cops always the villain yeah i it's so weird i i don't know man i society is kind of a funny thing to me where you know mm-hmm. we we want you know, we want like better people and better human beings. And then we like produce like garbage, you know, like I saw like some interview with like Cardi B or one of those people. And they're like, oh yeah, I just, you know, I really want to inspire people with my music. And then you listen to it. You're like, what, what the <laughs> fuck is this? <laughs> what? Well, yeah. What are you trying to inspire them to do? Yeah. Well, I think you can infer what she's inspiring them to do. Um, I had one guy write in that he thought he thinks that a, Uncle Den should drop a bicep video workout. I dude, I think they're like I look at those sometimes, those photos, and I'm like kind of looking at the back of the photo to see if there's like you know lines aren't. I'm like, does he fucking Photoshop them boys? But I, I think they're real. You can confirm no, they're real, I, right? Yeah, him, Brad, and Tom are fucking built. I don't. It must be like the fucking bagels and water that they eat and drink in New Jersey or some shit. Because all of it has to be a prerequisite to be a New Jersey cop. You have to have fucking. 30 inch biceps or something. I don't know. I like in Jersey, you know, the food's good, right? Like they're really close to the city. You know, the food's good. I don't understand how those dudes, I think he does a podcast and he's just like fucking curling the whole time. He cur- he's <laughs> yeah. interviewing somebody. Uh, he has to, I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, but they, they all are built. Like they can go eat like fucking pasta and pizza and it goes to like, it turns into muscle. Like, I, I don't know what they do. God, man. It, I would have so much muscle right now if that was true. <laughs> and i have those are. fucking italian jeans it's fucked up you're an irish fuck like me i would suppose then right with the red hair yeah 100 yeah. well not 100 i'm i'm the majority irish from that 100 you know it, i was thinking this would have maybe been a better podcast for around saint patrick's day knowing there's two irish people on here 
Yeah. Yeah. That was I one guess, of I guess I guess I got some good Irish memes that I, I like to recycle, but they're they're I have them. I'll post them again. Do you uh you want to hear a good Irish story when I was on the job? Yeah. Now I gotta hope that this DUI went through. It was a long time ago, so hopefully it's done and over with. But so it was actually a day shift DUI, and I talked about it on the last podcast. The uh, day shift DUIs are they're fucking way hammered than at night. Would you agree? Yeah, because yeah, usually they're you know career alcoholics or whatever, and they can be can, unless it's like so. There's two different. Is, is it that he's been drinking all night and just carried over to the day, or is he a career alcoholic and he's like a three zero, but he's almost Dude, sober like i gotta find the photo but i had a guy that was into the fives i think once and it Holy was a day shit, shit. That's yeah the most we thought yeah we thought he was dead when we rolled up and then we started smelling the alcohol um but so this this lady's driving around drunk with her kids and she gets into like two accidents and uh and we figure out it's her you know you know one of my guys hitting a hit working a hit and run he's like knows i'm at the hospital and goes oh yeah this uh lady you're with at the hospital with the two kids what her car looked like i told him okay that's probably her so i go in and i'm talking to her so this chick has two little kids in her car and two dui accidents within a span of like 30 minutes right and uh so i'm going in and i'm explaining express consent and all that stuff and she's like well i'm an i'm an er nurse i said okay she's like well i'm from new york city and uh in new york city the nurses and the cops take care of each other. And I'm like, ma'am, you're driving drunk with your kids in the car. She looks at my name tag. And uh, I have a very Irish name. And she goes, oh, you're one of them Irish fucks. You're an Irish fuck. <laughs> and uh, that was my nickname for the rest of the year on that team. Before we did awesome. the Irish fuck. I wish that would have stuck, man. That was a good fucking nickname. I wish you had it on a video because that would be better. I'm pretty sure... It might have been pre. No, I think we had body cameras. So, well, I'll let you know if that this uh, podcast comes up in the motions hearing, if that ever goes. You never know with these fucking court hearings, man. Sometimes they get drawn out like five or six years. It's insane sometimes. The mom, yeah. yeah. Here's something I, I wanted to bring into the communication uh, conversation. I, I had a guy ask a little while back, and I didn't get to it on a previous podcast, but I thought it would fit in here. And uh, I, he's like, hey, I'm in this class. What do you think about this question? And I was going to make fun of him because I'm like, I'm not going to answer your fucking college question for you. So you don't have to do the work and you can copy off of me. <laughs> um, but it's been like a month. So I figure that it's, it's probably that he's already turned in his paper. And if if he hasn't, then we'll see. But they want to know how uh, we can make as a society, make things safer for the police so they can go home, but also for the citizens they're sworn to protect. My answer would have kind of dove into the whole communication thing. I think all, not all of them, but most of the problems we have within our society is communication. Nobody talks to each other. That's, that's a uh, 100%. I completely agree. And, and I, I think that we're getting further and further away from that because we have social media, we have all these devices. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, I probably text more than I call and then you have social media communication and, and all these other things. Like no one talks face to face. And as we get further and further away from that, I feel that um, that communication goes away and you don't really, you can't really um, see people's like expression, facial expressions and things along those lines. Like you can, you can, I can say something through text and it can be misunderstood a million different ways. But if I talk to you and you can see my voice inflections or 
if we're talking face to face and I get, you can see that, you know, facial expressions and those types of things, you understand exactly what I'm saying, but through a text and just a simple statement can be misunderstood a million different ways. Oh yeah, man. I run into that shit all the time and I'm guilty of it too, where somebody will leave some comment. And I think they're being an asshole and they're like, Oh no, I, I agree with you. I'm like, Oh, because yeah. you're right. Because words can mean different things the way they come out of your mouth. And I think with this, uh, everybody can hide behind a keyboard, right? You know, yes. which I I'm guilty of, right. Right. You know, I, I, nobody knows who the fuck I am. So I, I'll take my lumps <laughs> if you want to make fun of me for that, but <laughs> I just, I found it ironic when you said it, but uh, yeah, I, I, I found it ironic as soon as I said it to you. I'm like, oh, here, paint the cuddle black there. But, but at the same time, everybody's out there in whatever media, social media you go to, and people are fighting in the comments. I guarantee you, this is shit that people wouldn't say to each other on the street. They may disagree with whatever it is, but I feel like most people, if you're just talking, you can have a conversation about it. And I think when you're actually talking, you're more willing to actually hear what's being said. And so I think with all these issues in law enforcement over the last couple of years is you're really only hearing one side. It's basically, I feel like one side's kind of yelling out into the internet and the other side's yelling out into the internet and nobody's really coming face to face to like actually talk through these problems and explain their side. Yep. I completely agree. And um, I, I mean, it, but it also comes down to even like our political leaders and stuff. They do the same shit. Like I guarantee if we all sat down, this entire country sat down and had a conversation, we would have a lot more in common than we think instead of just yelling and screaming and through social media, through other avenues. Like it just, it, it's, it's counterproductive. Like we, we, if we sat down and talked about things that we actually have in common instead of things that we don't have in common, we would see that our views align a lot more than we perceive based on everything else. Oh yeah. I agree 110%. I would say that 90% of the country, whatever way they vote, they really want the same thing. They want maybe to be safe. They yeah, want to be left alone. Yep. Maybe different avenues of getting there, but ultimately the same goals at, at the heart of it, the same outcome basically. Yeah. My, my friend, told me about this so like i hate to be like this guy like trust me bro kind of source of information but <laughs> trust me bro this is what my friend said one time um he's a real life friend not an internet friend but he he looked back at like the voting records of um the senate over like the last hundred years and you know 50 years ago things didn't sway that much like basically people could come together and say, all right, we all kind of agree on this thing, or we all disagree on this thing or, or this or that. And now it's, everything is partisan, right? Like, I don't think anything passes without, you know, one side votes completely for it. One side votes completely against it. And I think that's kind of how our society is now. It's yeah. It, I, I don't, it's, it's, yeah, it's like, it's completely divided, like 50, 50. It seems like the votes, everything is, everything is like directly down the middle and it's, it's not even necessarily, it's like, I think that we've taken a stand one way or the other. And for whatever reason, we're afraid to either A, change our perspective, or maybe if we change our perspective, we feel like we were wrong in that situation or whatever. So we're just going to continue to align ourselves with whatever that said party is doing. And it, 
even if we don't disagree, even if we disagree with it, it's just, it's, it's crazy to me right now. Yeah. It's yeah. People just kind of keep digging their, their foot in the sand instead of like taking a step back and admitting, ah, I might've been off base with that. And either way, like it's, it, yeah, it's, it's, I don't know. It's crazy. It's okay to be wrong. It's totally okay. I it makes you, you a better, yeah, it makes you a better person that you, when you learn from mistakes or being wrong and you improve and you don't repeat that same mistake. That's how we all learn and that's how we all became the person that we are. None of us are, in, you know, none of us are perfect. We all have imperfections and we've grown and moved past those. Absolutely. And to get back to this guy's question and kind of what we were talking a little bit about earlier, I, I kind of always, I like to make fun of the TikTok cops. You may have noticed, um, you know, to me, like true humanizing the badge is going out and doing job the right way. And I, I think there's maybe different definitions, unfortunately, of what doing the job is the right way. I mean, I, I posed that question or it was some meme and some guy said, I don't even, you know, I don't even care about humanizing the badge. I just go do the job, which, okay, I get it. But to me, I, I think there's just like a right and a wrong way to do the job. Like you can, you can do the tough guy thing when you need to, but the, the tough guy thing shouldn't be the first thing off the bat. And then I think there's some guys that the tough guy is not even in, in their blood. And so it makes them kind of hard to be a, hard to be a cop. You know, that it's a personality type people I think are drawn into law enforcement. I think you need to have that a personality, but I think it's okay to, you know, be a B a little bit and to, I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe since I've left, I've become like a dirty hippie and you know, I'm preaching. No, no, I, I completely, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I completely agree with you. There was a saying I'm trying to think, I don't want to mess it up, but it was like, uh, it's better to be a warrior in a garden than a garden in a war. So, to have that mentality, but know when to use it and you know, be a gardener. And then if shit hits the fan, then you have to be the warrior, but you have that in you than being a war and you're a gardener that has no capabilities of dealing with that. My dad was on the podcast. We were kind of talking about the same stuff a while back. And, you know, I told him this is something I learned in the Academy is this, this old saying of it's basically the same thing is be nice to everybody, but have a plan to kill them all or be nice to everybody in the room and have a plan to kill them. Something like that. And he's like, come on, man. I'm like, no, I'm serious. You're being nice to everybody, but in the back of your head, you're being safe and tactical and you, you understand what your threats are. I don't see a problem with that. No, yeah. I mean, it's not like you're walking around with a, you know, I don't know, like you just have this idea. You're being observed. I, I, that it doesn't mean like you're walking around with your gun drawn that, you know, I'm saying it's like, you're walking around, you're, you're being, um, observant of all these people in here and just watching. You're not like, you're not being aggressive by any means. You're just being nice and you're being observant at the same time. That's kind of how I take that saying. Yeah. I, and I'm a nerd, so I'm going to kind of equate it to star Wars is this, and somebody floated this a few years back. I think it was one of the police one guys, which I normally make fun of them, but this was actually good was the Jedi thing. Like maybe we need to move away from the warrior thing and go towards like a Jedi type thing where they're the peacekeepers, but they can be have that warrior type role when needed. Yeah, I like it. And I think that, yeah, I, I completely agree there. I think that you need to have that in you um, because if not, we're gonna, you're going to get hurt or even worse. Um, but you have to have the ability to turn it on and off and know that going into most situations, I would say, you know, 97% of the time, you're not going to have to 
activate that that mindset. You're going to have to go in there and be able to talk people uh, off ledges and listen to people. But, you know, you're dealing with people. Most of the time you're dealing with people on the worst day of their life. They're not calling the cops to say, I want a million dollars. You want to come talk to me? You know, it's like it's the worst of the worst. It's a bad day. For them. Um, and we deal with, you know, 10 percent of the population, 90 percent of the time. Um, and then when we do deal with that, you know, good person that's having a bad experience for whatever reason, we've been so in the mindset that we only deal with criminals that now we treat that one nice person like the other criminals we dealt with. You know, and I would almost argue that we can treat criminals the right way too. Mm -hmm. And I want to equate this to, I made a meme the other day. Um, It was George Costanza uh, must've been checking somebody out. And it's the caption was something along the lines of, when the ER, when you see the ER nurse not treating the homicide suspect like a baby, and it would always drive me nuts. You go to the hospital and, you know, whoever did some horrendous crime, they killed a bunch of people in a, a wreck. They're at the hospital whining and getting their boo-boos tended to. And I think it kind of makes your blood boil a little bit. Right. And yes. uh, I wish I had the comment up, but the a nurse actually commented on it. She's like, look, I don't like these guys either. And I hope they go to jail, but I have the right way to do my job. That's going to make it easier for you guys and for me. And uh, I was kind of was taken back. I was like, she's right. She's absolutely fucking right. Um, I think sometimes cops get accused of this us versus them thing. I don't think that's necessarily true all of the time, but let's be honest. We've probably met some guys in our profession that kind of have that attitude. And I look, man, we can take shit bags to jail and take drug dealers off the street and be aggressive with it, but we can also treat them with respect. Yeah, I, I talk about that a lot in my class. I'm very empathetic. Like, I completely understand how these people get involved. Um, I, you know, I, I'm dealing with people that are usually on a, a little bit of higher level, and, and I'm catching people with kilos or more. And, and um, I'm empathetic. I completely understand. And, you know, I, like, I, I, most of the time, they look at it as, as a business, and uh, their moral compass is different than mine. But I understand it. If you grew up in a rough area and you see people around you that have things that you want and you know how they got those and it wasn't working at McDonald's. Now, are you going to have a different perspective and moral compass? Like I could go work at McDonald's and I can work there for three months and not, you know, make what this dude's making in one day. Like, so I I understand it. I understand their mindset and I understand that, you know, like the, the moral uh, dilemma that they they're having. So, I don't, it's no judgment. Like I have a job to do. They have a job, like, you know, a, a different job to do. And um, when it comes down to it, like, I get it. I, I'm, you know, like and most of the people I'm dealing with, they treat me with respect because I'm not out there like being an asshole to them. Um, and, and I think that that goes a long way. Like I treat every way, I, every time, every interaction that I have with a, a, a subject, even if it's just a victim or a suspect, I go in there like I go in anything else where it's just an open conversation and I'm waiting to, you know, let them express or say whatever they have to say. I don't like, come in there and asshole and argumentative and, and degrading or anything along those lines. Um, and I give them the opportunity if they, if, you know, and, and I even, I probably even take it more than most where people are an asshole to me before I finally have to like, kind of say something to understand that, you know, I can only take so much and then, but I, I let it happen because I understand sometimes people got to vent and they got to get things off their chest. So I'm okay if you're 
motherfucking me for a little bit, but it can only go so far. Yeah, and I get two points off of that. The the first thing is I think you're absolutely right. We we're human beings too, and I think we all kind of have our own line in the sand too. Where it's like, all right, and I know towards the end of my career, and I've said this several times, I was saying shit to people. It was funny, but it was shit I never should have been saying to people because that's that's not professional. It's not the right thing to do. But the other thing I wanted to talk to you too, and, and I bring this up all the time, and I just want guys to continue to hear it because I think it's good advice. Is if you go in and you're especially when you're talking to somebody and, you know, we're not talking like Miranda or anything like that. You're just doing a preliminary investigation. And, you know, let's say you go talk to some victim and they're like, Oh yeah, this guy's awful. He did all this fucking crazy shit to me. If you go in and talk to this dude and you're like, Hey, you motherfucker, you did all this crazy shit to her. He's not going to fucking tell you anything. You have a much better chance if you just let him tell his side of the story. And I would almost guarantee most of those times he's telling his side of the story it may line up with what the victim is saying uh, and maybe it, it could completely change your perspective on what actually happened. But a lot of those times the guys will actually accidentally guys and gals will actually accidentally admit like, Oh yeah, I did this and this and this, and this is why I did it. Not all the time, but I'm just, you catch more uh, flies with honey, right? Yeah. And, and, and that's kind of, or even if you just go in with an open mindset, let them tell their side of the story. And, you know, again, I think that, we talked about it, you know, like the truth is going to be somewhere in the middle. And, and even if you, even if he tells his side of the story, maybe you're able to prove some of his story as being wrong if he's the suspect of the crime, but you've already got him now on a statement that can now almost incriminate him if you're able to prove some of that wrong. So to come in there accusatory where he just shuts down is counterproductive in, in every aspect of it. Absolutely. And, and to be honest, you know, our job isn't necessarily, our job is to find out, well, I mean, in theory, the truth, the truth, right? So how, let's be honest, man, people lie to the cops 24 seven. And it, as a new cop, as soon as you realize that you're going to be a lot better off because how many times has somebody called you up and said, Oh, this happened and shit, you'll go pull video. And you're like, Oh no, that absolutely did not happen. Yep. That's, I mean, that's your job is to figure it out. So, you know, the accused, maybe they are accused of doing something totally fucking heinous and they have a, the victim has a victim, quote unquote, has a total fucking great story and, and does all the fireworks. And then you go talk to the guy and you go do some, you know, you can talk, talk to witnesses, you pull camera, you do all the things you do. And you're like, oh, she was full of shit or hell, I don't know. That's what your job is. So yeah, 100%. I, I feel like most of the, the older guys know what I'm talking about, but I, I think some of the new guys sometimes because the Academy doesn't really build them for that. Maybe they don't have that information until later. Like I know, you know, I caught myself several years in where I was like, kind of like slowing down a little bit. And then I kind of, I feel like the wheels start turning a little bit more and you figure more shit out. Now, speaking of rookie stuff, I'm going to hit you with a new question on this podcast. I feel like cringe rookie stories are pretty good. Do you do anything really cringy or stupid as a rookie? Oh man, I've had, um, I've had funny ones and I've had, you know, cringeworthy ones. So I kind of work in a, it's becoming more populated, but it was, it was relatively rural. And uh, one of the calls I went on was basically there was a, a loose pig in a gas station and um, <laughs> it, it gets better. So I go there and I'm like, all right, cool. How hard would it be to catch this little pig? Well, it turns out it's really hard. And also after chasing it around for, I don't know, an hour, I didn't know this when you grab pigs they scream like little kids like but it's like on a hundred volume it's like the most intense scream ever 
So we caught him, started screaming. I let him go, and we chased him for another hour. But that was, uh, yeah, there's a photo of it somewhere. Thank God there was no video back then. I say if there's a photo, man, I, that's very meme-worthy. Hopefully, there, it, doesn't, uh, hopefully yeah. it doesn't get sent to me. It's definitely in, uh, in my class. <laughs> <laughs> nice. But I, I don't know exactly where that photo went besides in my presentation. I got gotcha. you. So as we, we wind down, because you're a busy man, you got, man, you, you're telling me you're like a canine guy. You do the street cop stuff and you're a, a sergeant, right? Yes, sir. You got fucking everything going, man. You're a busy dude. Yeah. It's, it's been, I don't know. We, it's, it's a lot of stuff that I absolutely love doing. So um, my wife doesn't understand this, but when I sit in the median, uh, when I'm working the highway, it is honestly like therapeutic for me. It's relaxing. It really is. Like I can sit in the median all fucking day looking for bad guys and it doesn't phase me one bit. Um, so it doesn't feel like work to me. You know, uh, yeah. If you, uh, you know, find what you love doing, you don't work a single day in your life. Right. Is that what they say? Yeah. yeah. And then uh, I also say that the uh, devil's hands is a, fuck what is that saying i always fuck it up the uh idle hands is the uh devil's playground or some shit like that i always fuck that one up off the look I know you're, yeah i know you're, i know i know what you're referencing i don't know exactly how it goes yeah i'm like george bush coming up with fucking things <laughs> i don't know how to say fool me once and, uh, fool me again um <laughs> now uh i know uh, this this question next question kind of catches some people if they're not prepared for it uh i you know some people humanize a badge i like to humanize that occasionally grown men and women will occasionally poop their pants kenny have you ever shit your pants as an adult no come on man not one i haven't no i mean no, no close working, calls working. yeah i mean working you know you have your velcro uh, uh velcro belt on and six keepers i mean things get close but it's never uh it's never happened but not gonna live i'll probably do it monday now you're gonna do it in class tomorrow <laughs> i would uh i would drive to iowa and find you oh, dude <laughs> i would honestly like if that happened i would feel so bad about it because I, I the iowa curse would be on you forever but it would be kind of funny and then we could have a thing called the iowa curse uh, <laughs> <That'd be> awful <laughs> You're going to be like stressed about it all day. You're going to be like sweating in class and be like, what's, what are you worried about? Oh, nothing. Don't worry about it. Um, <laughs> yeah. Don't, don't eat anything spicy tomorrow morning. Yeah, definitely won't. Now, uh, do you guys ever play like the word of the day where you work, where somebody comes up with a word to put over the radio and throw in a reports for shits and giggles that day? No, not really. No. I mean, no, not necessarily the word of the day. We played things where, uh, you know, just between, maybe district partners or something like that to say things, but never as an entire shift or whatever. I gotcha. Well, if you had to pick a word of the day, what would it be? Put me on the spot here. Um, I know. I always fucking, I should warn people about that before I start recording. Like, hey, in about an hour when your brain's fried, I'm going to ask you for a word. Let's go, like, let's throw something. Uh, let's go with ninja. I like it, man. So if I... Uh, if you can hard. That, yeah, I think you could do it though. I mean, like you could, you know, if somebody runs from you, you could say like, you know, their movements were like a ninja or something like that. Yeah. So, that uh, if, yeah. If anybody gets that, uh, you can send it into me and I'll blur out your information, make you internet famous. Now, Kenny, do you have any imparting words of wisdom for 
the millions of followers of the podcast? Um, I don't know about parting words, but I, I, uh, I mean, if you're into the uh, interdiction world or interested in it, I could always, uh, you know, give you some guidance. Um, I have my own Instagram. You can also look at us on Street Cap, and then I travel the country to teach about once a month. So I'm always out there and available. Sounds good, man. And I'll uh, anybody listening that doesn't know who uh, Kenny is, go fucking follow him. And uh, I'll have his all his links and stuff when the podcast comes up, so you won't have to look very far for it. Well, buddy, I uh, I appreciate all your time this evening. I uh, this was a good conversation, man. It it always whenever I schedule these out, it always seems like I'm like, all right, this is what we're going to talk about. We always end up talking about something different. So I like it. All right. So if you uh, enjoy this poorly made police memes podcast, you know what to do. Uh, Tell everybody about it. Uh, Tell your dispatcher, your ex, your mom, have everybody listen to it. And uh, at the end of the podcast, there's a little link. Click on that and you can uh, be a monthly donor of the podcast and keeps the lights down here in this dingy dungeon going. And, uh, make sure you take care of the fine sponsors of the podcast. Cause without them, I uh, would have to go get a real job and nobody actually wants that. And of course go buy some t-shirts and some mugs and uh, send photos of them into me and I'll share them on Instagram. If you want some clout with that said, I uh, hope you guys are all safe out there and uh, remember that I love most of you. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs>